the leader. What's up, gang? Welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. This is Timothy Styles, and uh, we'll be joined by pro wrestler Cutthroat Cody in a moment. I just wanted to open the show and uh, let you know that, uh, well, a couple things. Today's episode is called uh, Sick Nick Mondo, and in general, we're going to talk about uh, backyard wrestling and, and a lot of me shitting on CZW. So if you're a CZW fan, bad news. This episode is going to be the worst. This is one of the uh, things uh, between Cody and I that we differ on uh, 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 a lot. So, um, the other thing I wanted to mention before we get started is that uh, there you hear me mention during the show that uh, I was looking over starting a Turnbuckle Boogie IG, uh, IGN, an Instagram account, and I've done that. So, if you're on Instagram and you want to get random uh, posts about various professional wrestling things, go ahead and follow Turnbuckle Boogie, and uh, if you are still wondering, hey... What platforms can I listen to Turnbuckle Boogie on? Pretty simple. Go to anchor.fm slash turnbuckleboogie. You'll see all the platforms that we're on. Spotify and iTunes are obviously the big ones. And if you're on one of those two things, leave us a nice review. Unless you hate us. Then you can just keep this our little secret. Anyway, let's boogie! So the video I was going to show you was just kind of I, since you don't use the internet anymore, and since uh, the it's name, not true, by the way, well, I use just the internet not, enough. Just not that side of the internet. Um, the so you should be clear the social media side of it. I have a Twitter account, but I um, I don't. Yeah, I honestly I think I follow like NXT, Ring of Honor, WWE, AEW, and maybe a couple of friends. You and comedian james matter and that's it that's what i have it for to to see whatever it is these companies that i i check out every now and then in, are promoting that and, and that's really it today's in today's landscape i don't blame you like because man the internet is full of a bunch of just shit well that's why i got off of it about uh i think four years ago at this point but um yeah, no social media for me. In fact, I thought this week, I'm like, oh, maybe Turnbuckle Boogie needs a a dedicated Instagram or Twitter. And I was like, what the fuck am I even talking about? All right, here we, <laughs> here we go. All so right. Show me this video. All right, let's see. Now, so since, people who are listening are not going to um, be able to um, see. Is there audio in this? There's no audio on that. So uh, the account is Jim Breaks Armbar, which reposts promoting this backyard horseshit well because to the name of the episode today is sick mondo we talked about last episode we were going to talk about backyard wrestling and it's a huge a huge topic to actually cover so first off um nick mondo was the reason i wanted to be a deathmatch wrestler and also the reason that i got out of the idea of being a deathmatch wrestler i'm gonna stop you this video is fucking stupid yes it is so uh, I'll <laughs> I'll take Fuck. my phone back. Jesus Christ, that was dumb. Uh, Sorry, sorry nobody could see it. It was some fucking 
120 pound teenager doing a running shooting star as if I give a shit running into an arm drag and not even very well. And, 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 you know, the makeshift ring out in the middle of the woods, it seems, you know, they keep the, the, the house out of the shot. Yep. So if you actually click on the uh, kid that does that, um, you can go on his Instagram feed and you can see that at some point he was really fucked up and he had to wear a neck brace, but he just posted oh, you don't say. wrestling, no context. And so when think about. When you were backyard wrestling, how long? Hold was on, it? hold on. I don't want to jump right into that. I want okay. to give a little history lesson, okay? Now yeah. you chip in where you feel comfortable. Um let's go back to ECW. That, that, I was just about to say that, yes. All right. ECW was I remember I've brought up the name of uh uh my friend James Matter, and he and I have been connected in spite of the fact that he's been in New York, so we're a few thousand miles apart for almost 20 years at this point doesn't stop him from being a good buddy correct honestly we talk almost every day at the very least every single week and normal and if we're not talking we're texting every day in in general it's been about wrestling for us for 30 years yes we met in high school uh i went away to the military i came home and he and i became uh best chums and part of our um relationship was you know i'd go over to his house we'd watch you know andy kaufman and jerry lawler and then and we would watch all this sort of old wrestling we would one of the greatest pro wrestling angles of all time by the way yes continue and he used to have a pro wrestling almanac that had you know the history of every title change in every major territory or whatever and i would just sit and flip through it be like oh look at that you know um but um we used to uh sit and watch on uh, some UHF station, uh, ECW. And that was back when it was hardcore TV. Correct. And right. was this back in Vegas? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So um, Amer- it was either called America one or America first was the station. Wow. I'm so impressed with your knowledge of dated television. <laughs> the only reason I know that is because I used to spend the night at my grandparents and they lived all the way up near Hollywood where right. the mountains were. And I would take tinfoil silently and I would attach it to the rabbit ears and the second floor of my grandparents' house so I could watch ECW, but I had to watch it on mute because my grandmother forbade me from watching ECW, but I was okay to watch other wrestling. I wonder if she'd recognize Joey Styles. Oh my God. The, <laughs> my grandparents used to tape the wrestling events for me when I couldn't go over and watch them with my granddad. Right. And it, I asked my grandma to film, uh, I believe it was November to remember 97. Mm-hmm. And Francine, uh, Francine took a uh, kendo stick to the head from Sandman. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother was like, I, I support wrestling. I know that you really love it. I can't have you watch ECW. Wow. But I would still go I mean, I suppose it was risque. And thinking about, you know, I was probably 21 during this time. That makes you, what, 11? Yes. (laughs) Fucking 12? Yes. I understand that. But to a young adult like myself. That was the shit. um, Yeah, because, you know, as much as, you know, there was was this lull in in time. Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart had taken over uh, in the place of Hulk Hogan. 
And which you expressed before in an earlier episode that those moves for minute guys weren't really your thing. It's not even just moves for minute. It has to do with size. And it was it was like someone let the air out of the industry mm-hmm. for a young me. And then the NWO comes along. And it was fascinating television. And it's cool. And it's kind of hard. When I see young people today and they, they're talking about the old times, I don't feel that they fully understand it. it you, can, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to give their educated... And like if I were to just start talking about Whipper Billy Watson, like I would know what the <laughs> fuck I was talking about. When I hear young people talk about, oh, the NWA, like, no, motherfucker, you weren't there. This shit was entertaining. All these people that talk shit about Goldberg. I'm not a big Goldberg, Mark. Not Certainly not today. We already but at, talked about how he's white hot, man. But at the time, white he was fucking, fucking huge. I think Sting today is kind of a joke, but in 1998 was pretty exciting. When, when Crow, especially going from the transition between Surfer Sting and Crow Sting. Right. Not trying to get too far off the topic of ECW. But, but no, I'm getting there. Yeah, man. Or did I just cut you off from a thought? No, go, 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 go. So we had NWO. Then eventually the, the milk went bad. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we, we got uh, Steve Austin at his peak. I basically flipped. NWO started going sour. And then basically WrestleMania 15 is where I jumped. Because Stone Cold Steve Austin won the title. From Michaels. Com- and that wasn't the, the Tyson punch. Yeah. Yep. And I completely missed the majority of Shawn Michaels career because of that, because I thought he was annoying and obnoxious and juvenile. You know, it was, it was weird that a guy in his late (laughs) thirties was acting like he was 13 to me. Right. Uh, Stone cold. Steve Austin was at least acting like a man. So I really flipped over to uh, what's become known as the attitude era of WWF. Then I started getting word of ECW and both James and I started watching that over at his place. And you got Sabu and you got, you know, RVD and all these guys. Anyway, Jerry fucking Lynn. Please don't forget about Jerry Lynn. My absolute favorite. I I don't mean to say it and and be mean spirited. He has a spot, but unfortunately... his tenure in ECW is sort of a footnote in much the same way that Steve Carino's was because it's sort of latter day existence in the expanse of all of ECW. They came at the very end. Well, in from a, from a wrestler's perspective, like from somebody that, yeah, well, there's no question yes. that if you were to say like, what's the greatest feuds of all time, you Van Dam and Jerry Lynn, Van Dam and Jerry Lynn matches, uh, not only up against anything, but completely influenced and revolutionized the industry to the point of where everything that you see today has been influenced by that, whether the person who's executing whatever it is realizes it or not yes and that's a i mean just to i and i know that i i get where you're coming from mm-hmm. uh with talking about jerry lynn but for me um especially being very technically minded and paying attention to how people move and things like that you can go back and even go further in time and watch jerry lynn versus the lightning kid right and some of like i believe it was minnesota uh some of those old tapes and once again, like it, it's like Owen Hart. It was 
revolutionary for the time. And also because like out of place, out of time, man, if they were here and now, if Jerry Lynn was in his peak right now in today's day and age, he would be top level guy in my opinion, because of, especially in AEW for AEW's product, Mm. a thousand fucking percent. Well, he could, oh boy, here I go. (laughs) He can work. Yeah, man. He doesn't, he doesn't just do the moves. Yes. You know what I mean? When I say that? Yes. All right. So continuing my history lesson. Yes. So ECW, this promotion that starts off as Eastern Championship Wrestling, Starts off when they flip to extreme, they had already been doing a lot of blood and gutsy kind of stuff. Yeah, Taipei Deathmatch, death uh, Born to Be Wired, Sabu, and Terry Funk, where there wasn't even an actual finish to the match. Yeah, I mean, Cactus Jack would come in for a spot with Sabu. I mean, yeah, they were just doing a lot of crazy shit. And at the same time, a lot, you know, it was very almost FMW. Uh, ECW and FMW were more or less just on different sides of the pond. They were very, very similar, whereas FMW was doing a crazier shit than ECW. ECW, even though they had barbed wire in the Taipei Deathmatch, cookie sheets. Right. right, And and a lot of that a lot of that is partially the fans fault. You know, Japan, there's this, you know, where it was still very much respected as a sport there's this sort of fighting spirit kind of deal and how much shit can you fight through and guys are you know being shot with c4 and uh and uh you know rolling on the you know the big plank board with the barbed wire on it and c4 on it yep. that goes out you per- know this piranha pits yeah and shit like that beds and of nails all even, this sort of stuff even then uh FMW was referred to as a garbage promotion right. in Japan. Like hardcore wrestling in Japan mm. is uh it's got its fan base, but it is frowned upon by some. Sure. Much like ECW was in America. July 26, 2003. Mm-hmm. Terminate death 2. Mm-hmm. Final final night of your career. Yeah. Uh pretty abrupt. Did you know going into that night this is it for me? I wrote dead on my forehead that night. It's the only time I'd done that, and it was a promise to myself that it was going to be the end. And I decided ahead of time, but I knew it was going to be really tough to stick with the decision. Um, so I guess you could say I was a little conflicted coming in. I, I wasn't sure I wanted to quit, but I had, I had tried to firmly make the decision going into it. So, yeah, I, I knew I was going to quit that night. Had you told anybody else? Um, I had told a handful of people. Um, I told my girlfriend... I told uh, Ian Rotten, believe it or not, um, because I was booked a week later on his uh, King of the Death matches show, and I didn't want to just pull out last minute, and so I called him a a week in advance, and and he was mad. Uh, he was he was really mad, and uh, um, he actually it was kind of like a a vague threat. I'm trying to think of what he did to me. Uh, oh, he, he just said something like, I guess I'll see you in the ring then. Right. And uh, and I just, I hung on the phone and I was waiting to see if he was going to hang up with me. And then he's like, okay. 
I said, all right then. And, the, and then he hung up. But the, you know what? Then I saw him a week later because right. I was like, did this guy just threaten me? Like, are you, are you kidding me? But then when I saw him at the show, he was completely over it. And he said, you know what? I understand. And, and I got hurt so bad in my second match. Um, it's, it's vague, my memory, you know, in between those matches. But um, they were trying to send me to the emergency room because of the bleeding, it was so bad. And, right, and we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, but I was I was just gonna say, Ian at that point was really concerned for my own well-being. Um, like he he was saying, "Are you sure you can do this? Like I, I think you should go to the hospital." You know. So. You know, the young men of America, it was the best of the promotions because about the time that it got popular, and just going back, you know, they they started with the blood and guts and all that stuff. It really evolved. <clears throat> whether by hook or by crook, into a place where you actually got to see the best wrestling in the world. Enter Dean Malenko, Eddie it, Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Two Cold Scorpio, Chris Jericho, Taz. To Jerry. Yep. To Jerry, super crazy. Super crazy. Yep. Uh, I mean, this list goes on and on. You could see stiff matches. Lance Storm. Yeah. Fuck, Lance Storm. You could see stiff matches with Masato Tanaka and... Mike Awesome. Yeah, man. But a lot of what you got was Jerry Lynn and RVD. You got uh, uh, Jerry. Sorry, I had a brain fart. Jerry and Super Crazy, you know, who put on some of the most amazing matches. I Throw a little seen. Guido in for the three-way. Yep. I mean, just fantastic. You were seeing some of the best wrestling ever. Yes. Period. It yes. was obviously more advanced. It was more pre-planned. You know, they were putting together these spots. But all in all, it still resembled uh, a contest. It still looked like wrestling. Well, it resembled a contest of some sort, yes. right? And they seemed to, for the most part, lean away from the Axel Rottens. There were still Balls Mahoney. He'd come in and, and clip a guy with a chair. Which there was, was still New Did Jack. you ever see the match with Balls Mahoney and RVD? Because that was actually really good, and Balls Mahoney could actually go. Right. Like, it was really cool. Right. But, yep. I mean, they, they, they tended to lean away from just the over-the-top bloodletting. Yes. And they started to lean towards sort of Japanese strong-style you know, advanced, just modern pro wrestling and, and some of the best you'll ever see in history. Yes. And that was basically their story when they went off the air, that they, they it was just a good wrestling promotion and all the sort of garbage stuff seemed to be in the rearview mirror. It was always shown in highlight reels, Correct. right? And, and if you watch any of these WWE documentaries... It, they only highlight, this is why I question when people, when younger people go like, oh man, they were hitting each other with cooking sheets. They were for a while and then that shit kind of went away as they started having these exciting, you know, matches with Taz and RVD and all this sort of stuff. Well, they didn't need garbage when the Dudley boys were starting riots and just from promos. The word is, is that uh, barbed wire was actually removed from the programming after Born to be Wired because of the incident that happened where Terry Funk and Sabu got so tangled right. in the barbed wire that they couldn't even finish the match and they had to get cut out. Right. There was also a period of time where fire became banned and then they brought it back with flaming tables later on and stuff like that ecw well they had a legal issue when uh the uh, mcfoley uh yeah, cactus, terry funk cactus jack yep. had a flame had a 
I think it was a kerosene soaked towel, towel that was on a chair that was duct taped to a chair, lit on fire. He went to hit him, and the fucking flew off. fire towel flew into the audience. Yep, <laughs> and and but, and they were sued for that. And more or less, man, like you said, is that there was there was plenty of things that happened in ECW that made it a legitimate wrestling company. They and had the it, best wrestling, and not just American wrestling. They had some of the best lucha, uh, luchadors. They had some of the best cats from Japan. Uh, the Mishinoku Pro yeah. um, opener for Barely Legal. It wasn't the opener, my apologies, but the Mishinoku Pro match from Barely Legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasuke... Um, I know it was the basically the Japanese BWO. So you had Men's Teo, mm-hmm. Dick Togo, and Takamishinoku. And I... It's escaping me. The name, he used to wear like a little tiny Peter Pan outfit, but he was super fucking dope. And <laughs> I think Pan. I think Grand Naiwa <laughs> was supposed to be in that match, but he was injured. But it was, the, the wrestling aspect at ECW was incredible. And I'll let you get to where you're going, because I think I know exactly where you're going with this. Correct. So um, when ECW uh, went bankrupt... It was actually a really sad time in the industry. I remember reading Wow magazine, and every yep. every month or week or whenever the fuck it came out, you would read about how Vince Russo was tr- uh, completely destroying what it was left of WCW until yep. they finally went out of business, and then ECW within months was done, if not the other way around. All I remember is WrestleMania seventeen. So. There was just this two-year stretch between 15 and 17 where you were getting some of the best wrestling I had ever seen in history. Yes. Innovative, fast-paced, strong. I mean, well, stiff is another word. Um, And WrestleMania 17 is when... uh, Is it 17? I think it's 17 where... um, The Invasion? Yeah. I can't remember because off the seven, top of my head. I do believe, yeah, no, it is 17. <clears throat> because 17 is when Paul Heyman shows up and on commentary. That's right. And they then pitch the camera up to the the, the box seats, and there's all the WCW guys up there. You yep. know, Shane McMahon going, hey, what's up, brothers? Yes. <laughs> yes. He's such a fucking nerd. But uh, anyway. so it was He's a, real- a likable nerd. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean, he seems like a nice guy. I don't think he should ever fucking be in the ring. I man, the match he had with Angle at King of the Ring two thousand one. Whew. Yeah, but he, that was a fucking match. Angle could have had that match with anyone. I don't. And know. I think there's also a little bit of morbid, you know, in us that are like we cringe. At the that sound of his skull hitting the concrete, and that's the reason why I don't think that he could have had that match with anybody because Shane McMahon was very, very willing and able to do whatever it fucking took in order to get it across. And granted, I just found that his gimmick of I'm gonna climb something high every and match just fall all and the then, time. Yeah, the first time was spectacular, but then when it Every single time, I completely agree. But right. that match with Angle is fantastic, it, and he doesn't fall from hold, shit. Yeah. He just ends up going through those those unbelievably panes hard glass. panes of glass. Yes, but um, when ECW and WCW goes out, that's really the end of the the hundred year period of pro wrestling it is finally down to one 
major organization. Yep. There isn't. There is officially no more territories, and in um, all of these companies' stead, pops up independent promotions. Yes. Two that were an, uh, very influenced by ECW, CZW, and XPW. All right, spoil it. And the sorry, first one, also is, IWA Mid South. You can say three. Okay, the first one. Yeah, man. Ring of Honor. Okay. Ring of Honor seemed to pick up the torch where ECW dropped it off and carry it forward and seemed to be a, a continual evolution of what ECW had established. I think that they picked up an aspect of that part of ECW. Well, they certainly sure. did, but they also brought in a lot more Japanese influence, the code of honor, the yes. shaking of the hands. It's it's less about baby faces and heels and it's about the fighting spirit. Yes. And, competition and all that stuff but you can't deny that there were still baby faces and heels uh, yeah oh, absolutely um you know but it was less about and it, it was a smart move quite honestly because of the blood drenched years of ecw to have gabe sapolsky go you know what we're gonna go the other fucking way and yes. just give you the best pro wrestling matches you've ever goddamn seen. You get CM Punk and Samoa Joe out of that. The you first get the American way. Dragon, Brian Danielson. Loki, Danielson, and fuck. Nigel McGuinness. Nigel McGuinness, Austin Aries. I mean, the, that list goes on and on and on. And honestly... It's another great period in the history of pro wrestling. Yeah, the trilogy of hour-long fiascos between Samoa Joe and CM Punk still stand up today. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So they continued the evolution, which is smart. Then there's what I consider not smart. The ones that I just listed before. Well, I much less is known about Rotten's uh, IWA Mid-South. Than CZW. Um, the only reason why I will debate that is because there was a period of time that there was three big tournaments on the Indies. Sure. There was uh, the Super 8, um, which I believe that was a Jersey-based promotion. I can't remember the name of it. Then there was Combat Zone Wrestling's Best of the Best tournament. And then IWA Mid-South had the Ted Petty Invitational. Right. And these... Um, so imagine if a deathmatch company just decided to have a tournament to highlight everything that ring of honor was highlighting for just a period of a three shot weekend, mm. right? You get three days of some of the absolute best names in independent professional wrestling, AJ Styles, CM Punk, Claudio Scott. Once again, we can list them all. Mm. And those tournaments are definitely worth going back to watch. However, <clears throat> They decided to pull the garbage aspect out of ECW, and they held on to it. IWA. Uh, IWA, CZW, and um, XPW. Right. Though they they were the ones that are like, hey, we're going to not only just use cookie sheets, but then it evolved from cookie sheets and barbed wire to light tubes and razor wire and, like, cactuses and mouse traps and fucking um just boards of nails and just cr- uh, hyperthermic needles right you know like crazy shit yeah john called me up and it was supposed to be through burning tables and i always say thank god it wasn't because 
um, able to get out. Well, of I was knocked out, but I was paralyzed too for a second, you know, for about a minute when I woke up, and somebody would have had to pull me out of the fire, you know, and so, but yeah, but he called me up, and it was, I mean, cut to the chase, just like, would you take a, you know, mother effing bomb off the bar through burning tables, and I remember I paused, and I was just like, yeah, and then he laughed, and he's like, yeah, I, I thought you were the only person who'd do that, and so, and like, you know, conversation moved on, but you probably heard I got there that night, and I, I looked up, and I said, no, I think this is too high, I don't think we should do this, you know, and then it, it was when, yeah, John said to me, well, think about it, and then get back to me, and I'm like, think about what, I just told you, like, I don't want to do it, and, but anyway, I was calling my match with JC, and uh, um, I guess they had set the tables up, and whatever and and the fans came in and then John comes up and he's like so what do you think and I'm like about what about the bump I'm like I told you John it's too high man and he's like well the fans are already in and they saw the tables he's like we have to do it and I just said whatever you know and I just left it at that and uh but because I wasn't planning on doing it you know and because I didn't get to go up there and check it like I did with the rider truck the tables were too close I, I would have positioned them they were way, way too close to the building and that's why it didn't go so well you know I had heard that in talking to you that day, mm -hmm. and you having second thoughts, John said to you basically, "You do it, or somebody else will," which was almost his way of saying, "Well, if you don't, if you don't want to do it, then you're going out." No, it's... no. The only the only comment was, "Well, the fans are already in, and they've seen the tables, so we, you know, we have to do it now." And I guess I just figured I'll get through it like everything else, and you know, I, I wasn't happy about it, but I figured, oh, it'll be fine, whatever. But yeah. Yeah, crazy shit stuff that you know this is during a time where now i'm 22 i'm 23 24 i'm a young person who's in punk rock bands and this is shit that even i go this is fucking stupid i unfortunately was on the complete opposite end of the spectrum i want to talk about that but yeah. before i get to it the reason that i think it was stupid is because we had already evolved past it yes you know what i mean and these seem to be people devolving yes you know for the sake of uh, because they just didn't even have it and when you look at their roster you know you might get a new jack show up mm -hmm. you know what i mean and uh but by and large most of them including sick nick mondo were just a bunch of well i shouldn't say dumb they were undersized underweight you know none of them had any they weren't you know weightlifters by any stretch the majority there was only two that stand out as weightlifters in my mind and that was wife beater and nate hatred those dudes were fucking jacked but there right. was two of them and even nick mondo as far as an indie guy mm -hmm. uh was in good shape like physically yeah he was in shape. shape but when you compare him to guys like madman pondo right and too tough tony and necro butcher and people that once again like these people were not going to be hired by major companies right you know with well, the exception i mean first and foremost ring of honor yeah i mean in my personal opinion the majority of these people had no concept of working and you know what i mean by yes, working you know what i mean trying to get garner reactions out of an audience 
by means of uh, selling kayfabe, et cetera, et cetera. These are just people who are fresh off the Jim Rowe circus. Yes. Just, hey, look how many ping pong balls I can shoot out of my pussy. Yes. You know what I mean? It's it's it very was, impressive. Yeah. I just it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, well, you can do that. Congratulations. I mean, the fact that you brought up Jim Rowe circus is amazing. <laughs> that like that's dating ourselves real quick. For now sure. I'm gonna turn the table to you and i'll say this you and i we're we're great chums but this is one area where we are wildly different because i don't know there's there there's this level of pro wrestling fan that even i can't comprehend you know i would i used to listen to colt cabana you know interview uh anyone or anything that had to do with pro wrestling you know he would promote you know the gathering of the juggalos which is a fucking giant tweaker fest full of losers but you're a pro wrestling fan and they support pro wrestling so hurrah fuck all that you like czw and all this stuff i cannot fucking watch that shit at all and it's barely it's barely pro wrestling the only resemblance it has to pro wrestling is that there's a ring for some reason and oftentimes there's not even that now i i Concede my time to you. So, um, to explain uh, something, first off, Nick Mondo is. Uh, there's no need to even go to his defense. The dude's hyper fucking intelligent. Hyper fucking intelligent. He released a documentary called Unscarred Independently. And in that documentary, he kind of walked you through the path and the thought process of what was going through his mind when he was doing the things that he was doing. Um, He alluded in this documentary that a lot of it had to do with depression. And when you're on the road by yourself and you leave your home, and there's nothing else. He's had a couple of documentaries, by the way. He had another yeah. one that's more professional called The Trade. Trade. And I was just about to bring that one up because that's a huge, a huge part of what's happening with this. Right. And so in that documentary, I watched it going in thinking like Nick Mondo was my hero. And then in that documentary, my hero died. And I still respect the fuck out of him. Um, And I also uh, look at, once again, we're talking about evolution and Mm de-evolution. Mick Foley Mm -hmm. was a deathmatch wrestler. Mick Foley is one of your favorite wrestlers of all time. Mick Foley is hyper fucking intelligent. Like, the dude is probably one of the smartest people in the fucking world. And that's not true, I, by well, the way. That's I mean, hyperbole. That, that's hyperbole, but still. like, he's, I'll even say the same for Sick Nick Mondo. A smart guy, not a genius. Right, and regardless, that's the thing is, is that for Mick Foley backyard wrestled, right? That's what kind of got him. Kind of. Yeah. He made a movie he, about a goofy wrestler. Or, and, yes. And... He doesn't have a wrestling ring to film these wrestling So he scenes. had mattresses and he jumped off of a roof and yeah. he did the body splash because That's Superfly it. Jimmy Snooker and things of that nature. But ultimately, it was a uh, comedy movie about a pro wrestler. So, and moving forward with the trade. So, 
in the trade, he goes into a little bit more depth and he has, uh, in the intro, he's talking about a conversation he had with wife beater before the tournament, a death two, I believe final. Yeah, that's true. And I'm so glad that you watch this because I think it's super important. He talks about this conversation and he asks wife beater before they're about to go out and do a 200 light tube death match where there's going to be a bucket of salt and a weed whacker. Like, why do you do this? And wife beater said bad childhood. So I think specifically what he said is guilt. It, but, but that was Mondo. Right. Mondo came from the aspect of guilt. And even throughout the trade, Mondo highlights the fact that unfortunately, a lot of these people that are doing this mm-hmm. are finding a way to glorify self-mutilation. Yes. And which I don't, I particularly recognize that right up front. And it's something that I wouldn't want to see. And, and, and that's, once again, I, I completely understand where you come from, but right. you have to understand where I came from and like, well, look, much I how mean, yeah, we both grew up on the, the wrong side of Boulder highway, highway out yes. of here. Um, uh, it, but obviously you got the worst of it. And, I, it, I, and it's not a, it's not a dick measuring contest by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> oh, I love that. Let's yeah. play the fucking had it rough Olympics. Right. And, and we're not going to do that, but I can tell you this much right now. I was in a very, very, very chaotic environment. Mm-hmm. I was sick. Yeah, I had a loving I family. Not, I just grew yeah. up poor. I very, very sick, couldn't do very much, was overweight, and I idolized people like Mikey Whipwreck and Tommy Dreamer right. and Sandman. Those people were my heroes and Mick Foley because I saw what they did and like I can fucking do that. And I would be okay with doing it because I grew up headbutting walls. Like that's I had you massive ever play Clue or Monopoly. I used to play Monopoly by myself. <laughs> Such a fucking sad tale. It, 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 I'm so, just saying there seems to be a good alternative to headbutting walls. There's a lot of good alternatives to headbutting walls, but at the same time, when you're in an environment to where you can't do anything about what is happening around you. And the only thing that you want is a way out and you can't get out because you're not of legal age. Right. You know, fucking that kind of makes you go fucking insane. But I, man, I, I grew up in a loving family. When I meet someone and the person is not close with his brother or his sister or whatever, it, I can't even comprehend yeah. Like, what? Really? That's my best friend is, you know, or one of many. Yes. Uh, is my brother, you know, so it, it you know, and your and your brother is a, your, your brother is a cool fucking dude. Like you don't have to say that into the microphone. He doesn't yeah. listen. Well, it, it, regardless, <laughs> I, I, whether he listens or not, man, I've had the opportunity to meet your brother. And unfortunately, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but man, my, thank you, by the yeah. way, I hate hearing yeah. these sour tales of, of, of reckless youth. My, cause it just bums my, me out. My family is fucked. Right. And that's, we're closing that chapter and we're moving forward. So, Look at the backyard wrestling tapes when they first came out and they were being commercialized. What are they doing? They're hitting each other in the head with cookie sheets. They're hitting each other in the head with trash cans. EC dub. EC dub. Then, unfortunately, when you talk about the devolution, but when the violence escalated 
now go and watch some backyard wrestling stuff. They they're emulating the same things that they're seeing in these heroes that they idolize. Right. So what you just saw on my phone was a clip of what backyard wrestling is now. Right. What's popular right now in wrestling? Flippy boy high spots. <laughs> so and also another fun thing, backyard MMA mm. was a thing when Kimbo UFC slice, man was at the peak of its popularity. So people are emulating what they're seeing because it it feels like it belongs to you when not everyone knows about it. Mm-hmm. And then it belongs to you so much that you want to do it and you want to be a part of it. I, he, here's the massive disadvantage mm-hmm. with a lot of these things. You're going to fucking get hurt because you're not trained properly yeah. to do these things. And... You have some really fun backyard wrestling stories. Like, I'll hand it over to you to talk uh, you know, about I'll, what it was like when you backyard wrestled. Uh, you know, I I want to say something that we kind of breezed over first before I get into that. Yep. The first thing I want to mention is I want to give a brief sort of biography on who Sick Nick Mondo is because most people would have no fucking idea. Right. Because this is a person who started wrestling at... 18, who broke at home. As soon as he turned 18, he boned the fuck out. Was trained, trained at, at Al, Al Snow's school. Yep. Right, which is was surprising to me to learn because <laughs> I hold Al Snow in such high regard, but I won't hold it against him. Um, and after a year of, of, of dicking around on whatever small indies that, that existed, found his way into CZW, uh, which was run by... Uh, John Zandig. Yeah, G, the Jesus guy. Jesus! Jesus! Small potatoes, baby. <laughs> and you got the, the Zandig pose. I'm doing the Zandig pose right now for anyone that can't see. This is Robbie Marino, CZW with Zandig. Oh my God, what the fuck just happened? What do you mean what happened? What are you, blind? Jesus! There was five of them! It took five of them! Justice Payne! Oh, hate Club! Oh, the Hate Club's dead! Nick Gage! Nate Hatred! Who do you think you are? Nobody does this to Zandig! Nobody does this to the white beater! Zandig, white beater, Nick Mondo! We are the most ultraviolet force on the face of the earth! Oh my! Oh! Yo, you're gonna die! You are gonna die! I guarantee it! I am gonna kill you! Um! Stoa! You people have not seen anything! This is just the start of Fake You TV! I am the ultraviolet icon! This is Robbie Marino! This is CZW, the most violent federation on the face of the earth! You just wait and see how far we're gonna go! I'm out of here! And CZW to me, you know, you and I, you've known this of me since like we first met. I, it must have been one of the first things I said to you. I yep. fucking hate CZW. Yeah. Combat Zone Wrestling is consistently on every episode of Botchamania for good reason. Well, you know, back in the day, uh, they would just make CZW a mania. Right. Like it's just straight up. And it would just be fucking 20 minute clips of like the last three CZW shows. And that's being generous. Right. Like, I'm... Go on. 
I, I mean, I just dislike CZW very and much. I've I, seen a Vice documentary, of, I think a Vox documentary. I One of these scenes on one of these documentaries, I forget which, there was like a road pylon. Uh, one of these little, you know, the little circular bumps in the road that, yes. that divide the lane. I think this big, fat, bald guy. Got hammered in his head. That was the Vice documentary. Yeah, he had it hammered into his skull on top of his head. Uh, and it has in it like uh, oh, uh, like these hooks almost. It's like the almost fishing hooks so it can go in the ground and never move again. This idiot had it hammered into his skull in this documentary and then smash cut to them behind the stage. Wink, wink. In other words, behind the sheet that someone, hu- <laughs> yes. someone hung to give them a back room area. Um, them trying to pry it out of his skull and... Watching them attempt to yank this fucking thing out made me sick. And I think that you think that I, it, it's not that I like it. It's not no. I don't. I, I, I don't just, think anything. I just understand it. No, I and I, I understand the mindset, and I'm not agreeing with it. I think it's terrible. Right. Well, you do now. Yes. I understand. Well, here's the thing, and this is what's going to lead me back into my sick Nick Mondo biography. But you do now because you're a man. Your 17 year old self probably thought it was the coolest shit in the world. A thousand fucking percent. Anytime you see the audience at one of these CZW shows, it is like people that were sick Nick Mondo's age. 17, or worse, even younger, um, to 23. And it doesn't get much past that because once you hit 24, you're pretty much gelled as a a human being. Whatever you listen to at the age of 24 is the shit you're going to be listening to when you're 54. Or the movies you're into, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's very fucking true. Right. So, um, but back to Nick Mondo, he's a guy who then proceeded to have a uh, three, four year run in CZW where it was just one gore fest after another. He wasn't particularly impressive at anything except for self-mutilation. And that's what these he, matches were. It, it, he, I will give him a, like, I will give him credit. Uh, because when he wasn't doing some deathmatch stuff, he was very, very, very capable sure. as far as being an independent professional wrestler. Right. And it's just a shame. That's what I hear. But the, yes. unfortunately, he'll never have a Well, who knows? But he never had a chance to fully prove that because in the four to five years that he was a pro wrestler or... It was over after that. He retired at the age of 23 because he could not his what he had established was his gimmick. He could not continue to exist in that matter and also questioned it, which is funny because, like I say, at a certain point, he just wised up. Yes. And when you see an interview with him now or these documentaries, it's strange to think that such a normal, smart human being would ever do shit like that. But we were all young ones. And the funny thing is, is now he even older, he looks back on all this shit. You bring up the weed whacker to him and he, he scoffs at it. He's almost embarrassed by the lion's share of this shit. And, and that's something that I think is, it's very important to like, if you have Amazon prime, watch the fucking trade. And I think it's just called the trade. It is called the trade. (laughs) Don't Google the fucking trade, the fucking trade. Yeah. Just, you really you have to be able to watch it to understand it and unfortunately 
as far as an outlet goes, are they going out and are they harming anybody other than themselves and things of that nature? It's not well, even it depends just, on if anyone has hepatitis B. B. What? And, well, that's <laughs> because that blood it goes everywhere. Not to mention blood, fucking um, and, mercury, and and, and <laughs> all those fucking light bulbs that explode. You yes. just see all the residue going in the air. People get to breathe that. Yeah, and that's once again, it's not good, but. And they're all most deathmatch companies, especially CZW. They have medical staff available on hand. Right. They also do blood work because they have to be licensed to wrestle in the states that they're doing these events and things of that nature. Well, in that There's, Vice documentary, I didn't see any medical staff. I right. saw a fucking another one of the wrestlers uh, yanking that pylon out of that fat idiot's head yeah. while that guy drank a beer to uh, numb whatever pain that he could. Could, yeah. You know, Which, it was fuck. ridiculous. I, I almost don't believe that, that they have medical staff on hand because any medical person would look and go, hey, you should knock this shit off. Or they would call the cops well, and be like, yo, these fucking idiots are down here fucking themselves up. Every now and again, you get people that are in the medical field that end up being wrestling fans. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, but the thing with that is I don't, I don't like it, but at right. the same time, well, you liked it as a young person. I liked and it as, as a, a young person and I'm capable of doing it. That's, right. that's the other thing is that I've had to, I've been faced with choices when it comes to wrestling and sometimes, mm -hmm. if you want to make a fucking omelet, you got to crack some fucking eggs. I've done thumbtacks. Right. I've done barbed wire. Right. I would do more. Sure. I I would do a lot of things, but I would... Yeah, but... Go ahead. Sorry. I, I would want to make sure that it made sense in what we were doing and not do it all the fucking time. That's... The difference. Yes. You're because you're older, you're wiser, you're smart enough to know. Danzig. Is that I say his name? Zandig. Right? Zandig. <laughs> Glenn Danzig Mother. is somebody else. <laughs> uh, he must be a blithering fucking idiot, honestly. Uh, yeah. As a man, he yeah. must be a fucking dumbass. Even if, like I say, if you watch interviews with Nick Mondo, he says, like, I can't believe that this guy was asking me to go out and fucking, you know, do some of this shit. You know, it's, you almost feel a little sorry for him. You know? Yes. Um, Dan, uh, I almost said it again. Zandig. Mother. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, tell your children not to walk my way. He was a full grown man. Yeah, man. And the fact that he was doing all this dumb shit with a bunch of um, uh, uneducated youth, the Joey Janellas and the Nick Mondos, and you know what I mean? Uh, it It's very irresponsible. I I don't know what the beginning of my thought was supposed to be, but look, my, my opinion is pretty clear. I don't, I, I think CZW as a promotion is, is laughable at best. They've always been low budget horseshit. And with people who couldn't fucking lace the boots of, you know, any wrestler who had been in the industry for two, three years. But they're good at one thing. Putting on a show with lots of blood, lots of ex explosions, breaking glass or whatever. Best of the best. Right. But, 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 you, you, but should, you, should, you should at least watch a best of the best tournament. 
Whatever, man. Are there no other tournaments? There's plenty of other tournaments, but just once again, if you if you enjoy all the things that you're talking about ECW that you loved, you could get out of one of those tournaments. Yeah, but I advanced past those, and, and I get that. You know what I mean? The like the idea of if uh, it happens in the WWE now, when someone pulls a kendo stick out from under a ring, why is that under there? It, it, it's you know ridiculous. I mean? We've there's no there's no reason where, for it. We've evolved to a point where it doesn't make sense for that stupid shit to be under there. No, and at this point, where is this kendo stick emporium that everyone swings by on their way to the stadium? Like, oh, fuck, I got a match well, tonight. I got to sneak this. Um, and, you know what I mean? Like, there's martial, gotta be... Most martial arts surplus stores right. is where you can find a kendo stick. I, it, at a certain point, when you abuse a gimmick forever, you know, you remember why the kendo stick was introduced. Yeah, because it was during the period of time. What was his fucking name? I can't remember his name, but so some kid went to Singapore, Singapore. Yep, and he uh, did a little graffiti, and he was held in a Singapore prison when he was caught. And his, and his sentence, his sentence was that he was going to be hit with a Singapore cane, which is just a kendo stick, really. Um, I don't know how, however many times. At the same time, uh, Paul Heyman probably saw this handed a kendo stick to Sandman and said, go beat up Tommy Dreamer. Yep. And then that, and it became a staple item of the Sandman. Right. And then it was adopted by Justin Credible. And then I believe at some point, no, Kai and Tai was just cutting off Val Venus's dick backstage. Wrestling is fucking dumb sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, man. Um, it, <laughs> like when you really First sit all, down and think about it. Let's not talk about choppy, choppy, the PP as far as Kai and Tai's high point, because, uh, and this Indeed. is a very, it's probably considered racist by today's standards, but, oh, a thousand percent. Uh, but yeah, they used to come out to the ring and, uh, I think it was Shane McMahon doing the voice and the other person was like Kane. Yes. <laughs> but one guy would cut basically Kai and Tai would essentially do the, you know, Japanese karate movie, you know, just voice move, over. move your mouth and somebody behind the scene is going to do the Ole Anderson gimmick where he's going <laughs> to. He was shaving back going, oh, you people, you're so ugly, you know. Yes. <laughs> and then he would hand the. Very evil. Yes, we are so evil. And then he Kung would. Pao. And then he would hang the, hand the microphone over to, uh, I almost said Tanahashi. Funaki. Funaki. Uh, same haircut. Yep. Uh, and, and he would say, indeed, that would be Kane's part. Yes. You know, you gotta love these guys. You gotta, you gotta love these two uh, silly little ninja freaks. <laughs> Especially what they did on my show last night, Sunday Night Heat, to two fools. <laughs> oh, two fools. Oh, Taz, Mr. Red Hook, your words, they amuse me. Two fools, clever. By replacing the letter C with the letter F, you have completely changed their name. Therefore, it is funny. <laughs> well done, my thug friend. What is indeed? It was fucking hysterical. 
I guess it's probably considered uh, racially insensitive by today's standards. I don't. Give well, a shit. we're we're older and we remember a different time, right? And <laughs> yeah. I I I personally, because I love like cheesy martial arts flicks that have yeah, bad yeah. dubs and Godzilla movies. Oh, a little, so for uh, me, little tip, uh, people, if you got a PlayStation Four, uh, get yourself Ghost of Tsushima and play it on Kurosawa mode. It uh, gives it a black and white film grainy. Uh, filter and uh dubs everything in japanese it's you awesome want, i've been playing bushido blade do you ever play bushido blade no, no no brother okay one day i'll bring over the playstation we'll play bushido blade but backyard wrestling um i got i, I fucking hate it uh, you hate it now because you actually transitioned right did you were you ever part of a backyard wrestling a thousand percent i was right i find that most young people today who are interested in wrestling probably had a hand in it i did yeah, man. Although mine's very different than every other one I've ever seen. I'll just jump right into it. I went to a SmackDown taping with James back in 2001, 2002. The Rock was the big the big draw. We went and had a great time. And when we came out, um, we found a flyer on our windshield for Moon Pie Wrestling, which I still to this day, I don't understand... It's got to be the dumbest name I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I don't even... What, do you know what it means? No, it literally means moon pie wrestling. Moon pie. What are moon pies? They're like cookies, right? And that moon pies are... With cream in the middle? Man, it, here's the thing, is that people romanticize moon pies as being good. They're fucking garbage. It's like, imagine a Twinkie, but not in the form of a Twinkie, but shaped like a cookie and then having some type of weird ass frosting on it. They're, oh yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. fucking disgusting. So uh, I looked at, uh, you know, this is during a time where I was very seriously wanting to get into pro wrestling. And, um, I told James like, Hey, we got to go see this shit. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, uh, we went to this address and it was just a house and it's like, Oh boy. And there was a lot of people there and we went to the backyard <laughs> through the side gate like you were going to a fucking pool party yes we went back there there was no ring it was just there was just a bunch of gimmicks around there was a ladder i'm pretty sure they had a tarp down that nope. way they weren't bumping in dirt no they were just bumping dirt yep hell yeah there was no tarp uh there was a mattress that came into play in some scenarios one in particular <laughs> where a kid got up on a ladder and thought he was um oh i don't know name anybody who does a shooting star Fucking he Matt Seidel. He, he thought he was Hayabusa. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because Hayabusa botched a fucking shooting star really bad too. But yeah, yeah. So so he, he, he fucking no one. There was no ref there to assure his safety and maybe put a foot down on the ladder. This thing was on dirt and it wobbled and he and and also he just didn't have any skill. And this kid went up and went down and landed on the mattress. Um, he's lucky to be alive. I'll say that. But he accordioned himself in the same way. You remember when Lita went out of the ring at yes. Trish? Yes, yes, yes. And the suicide he, dive. Oh, yeah, he yeah, yeah. landed like that. Yep. Where his legs went around and could touch his ears the wrong way. Yeah, man. Uh, just the worst. And I, even when you're a trained professional, accidents like that can happen. Correct. Yeah, this man. kid, I assure you, was no trained professional. The lion's no. share of these people were ages 14 to probably the oldest must have been 20. Yep. Which, very irresponsible. And here I was, a 22, well, 21, 22-year-old. And I remember they they 
they re they did like the raven crucifix spot where behind their their, yes. their wall behind their house they had pictures of that on their website oh you found this shit yeah they had a website and they had pictures of the dude and i think the dude that they actually I wonder if i'm in that fucking picture going yes. this is cuz this is what i did when this guy came what happened was i don't i don't remember how it happened just at a certain point a couple of ropes were pulled, and from behind the cinder block wall, a giant crucifix came up with a dude attached to it. And I looked at James, and I said, this is fucking stupid. Let's get out of here. And let's leave now. Uh, <laughs> because I was, in spite of the fact I was only 22, I seemed to be, brain-wise, miles ahead of everyone here. Yes. Um, it, it was one of the worst shows wink wink that i had ever seen well and that was a thing too man like talking about moon pie and uh unfortunately the dude that actually did that crucifixion spot i think that he died in a car accident like not long after that which is unfortunate you know can't remember the dude's name but mm-hmm. so we um me and my friends it was myself my friend sam who i still talk to to this day mm-hmm. uh, my friend colin and my friend bobby and my friend hammer and every now and again my friend beto uh there was a kid named christopher grace there was another one named domingo and i just recently connected with chris grace again chris grace is a good dude like hopefully after all this shit's over i'll be able to hang out with you buddy but <clears throat> we we knew what they were doing at moon pie Mm-hmm. And we had a different approach. Our approach was we're going to practice and we're going to train. <clears throat> so we would end up going to parks to practice moves. And then we would go over our matches and we were teaching each other how to do a lot of this shit just by watching. Right. And every now and again, we would do something reckless with a light tube and or thumbtacks of that nature. But uh, I don't know who introduced. Well, I guess someone in Japan did introduce the light tube in. But it seems to be when you introduce glass. Yes. It seems to be a bridge too far. And it, I, I mean, it's, it's, yes. look, thumbtacks is enough. Yeah. That thumbtack spot is pretty rough. Yeah. Um, Especially if you get thumbtacks in Europe. They're much longer. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Just just a quick little uh, story about that. There was a buddy of mine that was really huge on the backyard wrestling tape circuit. His name is Leroy Patterson. And he ended ended up becoming a stunt actor. Uh, Really cool dude. Uh, He has a really crazy story about getting his jaw broken by Sabu. His story to tell, not mine, but he, uh, when he was supposed to go fetch his drugs, go Um, get me 5,000 somos. And so he went on like, I think like America's got talent or something. And his act was just him laying out thumbtacks on a stage and then just jumping in them. And that was his act. And, I guess like France has talent ended up seeing the footage like, dude, we're going to fly you out. I think they have a talent sharing. By the way, it's the word talent. (laughs) Man, (laughs) once again, Leroy is my buddy. Leroy is a cool dude. Um, I can't justify what he's doing, but at the same time, it was enough for him to get paid and flown out to another country 
in order to ply his craft, let's say. I hope he got to see some museums, eat some. Oh cheese, yeah, no, you know. he 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 got he got the full experience. It wasn't just show up and then do it. The problem was is that he didn't bring thumbtacks from the states with him, Uh-oh. and the 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 people that were running the show, they're like, "How many thumbtacks do you need?" And he said whatever number, like probably like 10,000 or some crazy fucking number like that. I wonder if this video is on YouTube. Um, the video is not on YouTube, but he's Damn. gone. He's gone to talk about it. And coming from somebody that has done international travel, mm. it's no lie. Thumbtacks have about another inch on them. Another inch? No. They, first, look. In, in Europe? No, 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 no. An, an inch and a centimeter... I don't know why I'm combining the metric system and the imperial one. What what is it? A normal thumbtack is about a three quarters of a centimeter, right? right? An, an inch is another three centimeters. Okay, you know what I mean. These that things is, that is a nail. The, Some they bought right. him nails. The, you wouldn't get nails to push into drywall. Thumbtacks in Europe are longer. They are much longer. I'm telling you. I've so that they them. completely go through drywall and hook on the other end? Yes. All right. If you say they, so. They're not. Okay. So maybe an inch is a stretch, but they are longer. Okay. Much longer. Fair enough. Very much longer. Longer to the point to where you can fucking feel the difference. Because coming from somebody that's taken a thumbtack bump, not to spoil the magic for you, it's not as bad as it seems. I wonder if they knew this. They were like, oh, this guy does this great thing. We'll have him come over, and uh, he can't bring his own thumbtacks. <laughs> Supply us with that. <laughs> I, I, coming from somebody that's dealt with international uh, people before, and especially Ooh. when I was doing the Germany's Next Top Model stuff, there is just a lot of things that get lost in translation, and some of it is common sense. So fucking, but yeah, Leroy went out and then uh, had to do it there, and he came. He went on Facebook immediately and is like, "Hey guys, fun fact: if you're gonna do anything with thumbtacks in Europe, bring your own because this is not fun." It's a tremendous feeling of relief after every death match that you go through. That's what I feel. I always have a mental checklist in my mind of I need to survive this, 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 and this. And once you make it through the last thing, to me, it's it's an awesome feeling of relief and. I did feel the support of the fans and everything that night, you know, it it was an awesome feeling. It was an awesome culmination and it did feel fitting to me as a, as a way to end my career. The only problem is it was a stinky match, but, um, I did enjoy it, but I felt so broken down. I just kind of wanted to go home and collapse and heal and, you know, hide from it all for a while. So I don't think you can travel with them, you know, in case you like, kick open a cockpit door and go, all right, pull over. I'm laying these out and giving you a suplex. Nice, yes. <laughs> Come take this powerbomb, kid. So uh, I want to give you my backyard wrestling story because it's very different than seemingly every other backyard wrestling group ever. Yeah. Uh, it started with I was living with uh, one of my childhood buddies, and uh, his name, ironically almost, was Jake Darling. Perfect. Great last name. Uh, <laughs> Tell me his wrestling name was something like bad. No, well, it was bad. All of ours were bad because um, he looked like uh, he looked like he could be a Dudley boy. Perfect. <laughs> he looked basically Perfect. like Bubba Ray Dudley, but with uh, hair. Um, 
But anyway, so we were rooming together. I had just come home from the military, and it's the height of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And whenever he would be lying on the couch in the living room and I came out, I wouldn't just come out. I would dive over him or dive over the back of the couch and go, people's elbow. Yes. <laughs> and he'd go, oh, fuck. And he'd have to like, you know, roll out of the way, dodge. And then we'd get in a big, big fucking worked match right in the living room for no one, by the way. Yes. Give him a headlock. Just for yourselves. selling. Ah! <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we'd do this for like 10 minutes. And then we eventually it got to the point we, we laughed. We said, we should have a fucking match out in the lawn and invite a bunch of people. Wouldn't that be funny? Yes. And he goes, yeah. And so I told uh, comedian James Mattern, uh, I said, hey, buddy, we're going to have a pro wrestling match out in our lawn. So you're free to come over. He goes, oh, fuck, I got to get in on this. <laughs> and, and so the more people that you invited were just more, like, book me, the, brother. It, yes. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Everyone yes. was like, oh, fuck, I can do a match. <laughs> and so eventually we had put together. And it's like a standard indie show where you actually have more workers on the card than actual people watching the no, event. That, I'm that joking. Was, that was not the case. <laughs> but it certainly felt because once we invited James, he booked his match. And then he's like, hey, I, I've met these kids. They weren't really kids. They were probably like 20. Yep. Uh, he's like, I met these kids and they fucking were like they want to come and do it and i was like great and we booked an entire card like hell a, yes a proper card and ultimately what we put together was um what i called or james and i put it together ourselves it was called the asshole wrestling alliance <clears throat> <laughs> the awa we had uh actual wrestling mats it was out on my lawn um <laughs> some of the characters and base, oh, before I get into that, I'll tell you, it was not a backyard wrestling show, despite there was wrestling in a backyard. It was a comedy show <laughs> that that had a keg of beer at it, essentially. Yes. We had, my brother had a whole DJ set up with these, you know, two big PA speakers. So um, essentially, James and I would sit and commentate as characters. James played the play-by-play analyst. Afro Afrowitz. Mm. <laughs> it was just him with an Afro wig on. Uh, and then I, you got to have a color guy. So I played essentially a combination of every wrestler ever in history. <laughs> Beard and crazy wig. Yes. And I think he was you were like, do, you were channeling your inner Buffalo Jim. Just without all the bones. Well, no, I was channeling like Terry Funk. It, it was meant to be like every wrestler slash mixed with like Jim Ross, like he was supposed to be to know everything. And his name was Milton Mud Dog McGee. <laughs> and he <laughs> he would name drop you like, I remember him. I had a match like this back in 1965 with, you know, Jumpin' Jack Burroughs. That would just be my gimmick, just to name some random fact from 20, 30 years ago. Yep. And... Then there were some of the, the, the wrestlers on hand. There, uh, so <laughs> we would cycle people in and out because I was going to wrestle a match, so I couldn't be commentating, so I would go and switch gimmicks. I think I had probably the most straightforward gimmick. I was Billy Michael Face. The face part is very ironic. V- very boring as a concept. 
Yes. It's basically just me being a heel. I think I wrestled my brother, who came out under his tag name. He was a graffiti artist as Kid Riots. <clears throat> Much cooler fucking gimmick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Jake Darling became uh, Jake the Ox Trailer because not only did he oh, look man. like Bubba Ray Dudley, he also looked like Ray Trailer. Perfect. And <laughs> he also had another gimmick. We all did multiple matches. Yeah. He was also the dog catcher because he worked as a dog catcher. And, and he, he had, wore the fucking uniform. He wore his uniform yep. and he had, it actually was probably the best of all the gimmicks because he had a Australian sheepdog, his own personal one. And it was so smart. He came out with the, with the big stick with the, the little hoop on the end of it. And he brought out his dog, and he'd just tell his dog, get in that crate. And the dog would run right in it, and people would go, boo, this guy's rotten with dogs. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I do believe oh, at the end Peter of that. hopefully Peter doesn't hear this. I'm joking. At the end of that evening, he put me through a table. So I have firsthand knowledge of that. Um, uh, James Mattern, I told you, we loved Andy Kaufman. Uh, really worshipped. He tried to do... Kaufman's gimmick in a modern day setting. He was the hardcore intergender women's champion of the world, whatever. Shit. <laughs> so he booked himself a whole series of matches with girls that were friends of ours. Of By course. the way, the worst workers, all of these girls. <laughs> you know, when you give it, when you hit a chick over the head with some, something ridiculous and she giggles and falls over. Yes. <laughs> Learn to sell kid. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Jake's little brother, Justin Darling, who ran his own landscaping industry. So he, and he worked topless. So he was the tannest white guy you'd ever seen. Yep. He donned. Is he as tan as I am right now? He's tanner. With my my fake spray tan? He's tanner. Holy shit. Uh, he donned a luchador mask and became El Puto. (laughs) And because he worked with Mexicans in his landscaping business, could fake his way through a bunch of Spanish gibberish. Yes. <laughs> his promos were just just a, every just Spanish curse word and Taco Bell menu item strung together and, into some sort of random. Fantastic. Uh, That's so fucking wild. Another buddy of mine was Cock. Very juvenile. and But... Here's how it ties into wrestling. He was formerly the uh, ex-cock, formerly one-two-three cock. <laughs> yep. And then probably my personal favorite, and it's one of the kids. He, <laughs> he came out in a flannel shirt with torn up jeans on. He had kind of long hair. And he kept in the, the, the shirt pocket, the breast pocket of the flannel, a bunch of, uh, we'll assume, powdered sugar. And he was Kurt Cocaine. Oh, no. And Kurt Cocaine would... Kurt Cocaine was Bobby Gibson. He would sell and sell and sell and sell. And then eventually he'd do the Popeye gimmick with the spinach, but with a little of the booger sugar. Oh, fuck. He would have it all over his face and then he'd fire up a comeback. That's that's where it's at, man. And it was... But the point is, is... This was, nobody was delivering any stiff blows. They were the, we shouldn't have called it the AWA. We should have called it the PPL, the Phantom Punch League. Yes. Because they were the biggest whiffs. Yes. I mean, but it was on purpose because it was a comedy show where 
two comedians were telling jokes into microphones in the form of wrestling commentary yeah. while you were watching the worst match and getting a free beer. You know, because we had a keg and it was a big party. And it was such a success, we ended up having, I don't know, four or five more. Do you have any of this? Uh, you're going to hate me for saying this. You threw it away. I did. Fuck. And I threw it away probably only a year ago. Basically, when I got this desk and I got rid of the entertainment center, it had all the tapes in there. I had not watched them in a million years. And I went, <sighs> you know, I have this weird thing. You have no respect for dead media. It's not the dead media, although that is part of it. Uh, I have this thing about wanting to be remembered for for the right things. Yeah. And as time goes on, I look back on some things I did in the past and I go, I hope no one plays this shit at my funeral. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Like some songs I used to write and record or whatever. I, I like the, I, okay. Every now and then, like every few years, I get this idea, like I'll be in a Barnes and Nobles and I'll see that blank book section and go, I should start a journal. And I get five days in and then I stop. And then I find that book a year later. And I go, oh, I hope, I'm so yeah. glad I didn't die this year. There, Someone would have found this. And and I know what you're talking about with that because I've gone through and I've found like old notebooks where I would write fucking just god awful poetry and just shitty songs. Bro, and, I've had recordings of just like you know monologues of me and all kinds of shit. I really, and it's part of the reason why I don't have social media. I don't need my daughter when she's 25 going back and looking at like, I wonder what my dad was doing this time 30 years ago yeah. and go, Jesus Christ. He was like, well, <laughs> you know, th- there is one thing that I'll tell you, man, is that I think that you need to give yourself a little bit of credit, man. Cause I remember when you invited me, Mm-hmm. Uh, over to do your podcast, Timothy Styles Must Die. Right. And I was able to kind of backtrack and listen to some of your old shows and things like that. And I, the reason why I became a friend with you mm-hmm. is because I got to know a little bit about you as a person through some of these things. Right. And you are an insanely talented individual. Oh, shucks, mister. And I, I respect your opinion. And <clears> I know that, once again, this is probably a little bit of a longer episode, man. But for Backyard Wrestling, there is a thing that I will say that is positive about it, mm-hmm. is that it provides an outlet for some people. And there is also some people that are on the backyard wrestling circuit that are insanely talented. There's a kid named James Fury mm-hmm. and this kid is on his Instagram account doing neck bridges and practicing holds on sparring dummies. But don't and you as a professional wrestler look at that and go, I hope he makes the decision to take this seriously. And I reached out to him. Right. I, I sent him a message and I'm like, Hey man, like I'm seeing what you're doing. Have fun. But at the same time, if you want to take this seriously, right. you're going to have to go and seek training. That's something I would like to say to all those people. Like, look, we've all been young ones, right? And I've said it. Youth is wasted on the young. When they're young, they're doing a bunch of dumb shit. And they're also very ignorant. We all were. You yes. know, when somebody who's wiser gives you advice, you take it and you go, yeah, whatever, Jim Ross. And it goes right out the other ear. Then you go out and do your flippy shit, right? But seriously... 
you could be the best backyard wrestler in the world right now, and that's great. Good for you, man. But eventually, or just know, you ain't shit if and you ain't going through the, the proper channels to become a, a pro. And I say that, you know, uh, lovingly. I wish th- there's a kid that is really good, and he was a backyard wrestler who actually transitioned into becoming an actual wrestler and I wish I could remember his name but he his body's already fucked yeah and he has a knee injury and now he has to stop right and it's one of those things that when you sign up to a wrestling school they talk about your bump card and they every time you decide to do something with your body you are punching notches in your bump card and eventually you're not going to be able to do it anymore yeah you run out of space yep. and that's the thing is is that <clears throat> I think that for what you did, mm-hmm. for what you did was a lot of fun. Uh, even, like, but what, I, we don't we don't even consider it backyard wrestling. Like right. I said, it was, it was a, a comedy show. It was a comedy show. It was an excuse. Look, we were 22, 23, whatever it was. We wanted to have a party. And then me and my buddy, who used to wrestle each other, thought it would be funny. Let's have a match in, in the middle of this fucking party. Yeah. And then and, everyone loved wrestling at the time because... Uh, it was the most successful time in wrestling history. Yes. So it just became a, a big like parade. It was, and it's like, let's have another party. And it was a, it was a cool thing to do. And for me, and when I was backyard wrestling, it was the only outlet that I had. Right. And I had sought training. And then the school that I went to ended up shutting down when I was hospitalized. And when I got out of the hospital, nothing was in Vegas anymore. And I remember my last backyard wrestling match was on my 21st birthday Mm. and it was in Dumont sand dunes. And I made sure that there was no video. Uh, There was only pictures and much like yourself. I don't want to be remembered for that. And I remember that I told everybody it was a good time and I'm glad I have memories of it. But, and I mean, there was funny promos. There were these funny characters. I mean, like I said, we had probably five, six, maybe even seven tapes of these you know, full shows and they're fucking hysterical, but I can't, with the exception of someone like you, um, I can't find a reason why I would ever sit down and watch them again. Not only find a fucking VCR. Well, man, <laughs> you're talking to a dude that has a VCR. Yeah, and, I know. Yeah. That's but, what I'm saying. You'd yeah. be the only person to be like, let's watch this. And even then, because you weren't there, I don't think you would find it as funny. I, I guarantee you, I would find it as funny because, uh, what you're talking about is very, very similar to the formula of what strangle mania was. Right. And like extremely similar. And, but for me with backyard wrestling and things of that nature, like I remember specifically that I'm, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler and I knew that backyard wrestling was frowned upon and I still wanted to do it to have an outlet. And I made sure that, I got proper training and think about it as if you really want to support, right. And you have a local promotion, go to your local promotion and try some training out and then stick around and then actually become a fucking local hero. It's completely fucking possible. But the thing is, is that you also have people that like the idea of what wrestling is, but they don't, actually want to put in the work and the effort. There's a lot of people that they'll spend money on a ring. They'll spend money on gear. They'll spend money on kick pads. And then when you talk to them and you're like, Hey, like, uh, 
you could actually do this. Why don't you sign up to a wrestling school? Oh, I got shoulder problems. If you got shoulder problems, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. Right. And to bring up the James Fury kid again, I sent him a message um, just telling him, giving him some really solid advice, yada, yada, yada. He sent a response back and he's like, thank you so much. I appreciate, you know, the advice coming from a pro like yourself. Didn't hear anything from him. And then out of the blue, because FSW put out a best uh, match of the year um, compilation 2016 to 2019 or 2018. And my match with funny bone was on it. And he contacted me back and he is like, I just watched you wrestle mm. and you're fucking amazing. And everything that you told me to do, I'm taking in consideration and I hope to wrestle you one day. I, that's somebody that gets it. And I hope that he actually does follow through with it. And that'd be amazing. That's a good end to a good story. 